0: And welcome back to the Sustainable Sleepover Club podcast. Remember, you can find us on Instagram too. The sustainable development goal for this episode is good health and well-being. Goal 3. Sex education was officially introduced to Irish schools in the mid-1990s. Problems found with RSE in Ireland is that more than 35% of 5th and 6th year students received no RSE so far during their time in senior cycle, and an additional 25% of students who were provided with RSE received it at a minimal level, in a country where almost 15% of Irish adults have been raped at some point in their life, while 1 in 3 women have experienced some form of sexual violence. This is not good enough. In Ireland, the Irish Second Level Students' Union has fought for RSE reform since its founding in 2008. We must keep having these conversations around what adequate RSE is, push for change, and of course, educate. Our guest this week is Grace Alice, who has been a sex and relationships educator for six years. She is from Kerry and lives in Galway. Grace originally trained as an occupational therapist before completing her master's in health promotion with a focus on sexual health and body image. She is super passionate about playing her part in creating a more sex positive Ireland free from shame, stigma and secrecy. Grace is training with the Somatic Institute to become a sex and relationships coach. In 2022 she will be registering as the first occupational therapist in Ireland to specialize in sex, intimacy and relationships.
1: Hi Grace how are you doing? Hi I'm good thank you lovely to meet you and thank you for having me
0: on to chat. Great Um, so the first question is why is it important to educate people on relationships and sexual health education Um, and can you talk to us a little bit about your experiences that have like led you to become a sex educator?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I suppose I could start with my experiences. So um, it's rarely a really straightforward road to sex education you know at at 17 people well it's probably changing nowadays but young people are rarely like oh that's what I want to be that's what I want to be when I grow up or whatnot so that's the way it happened for me in that I started out as you said there um, doing occupational therapy and for anyone um, listing occupational therapy um, is a little bit hard to define because it's quite a broad profession but it is concerned with how we occupy our time as human beings and we all do that differently and how to enable people to live a life that is most fulfilling for them. So when you think of um, all the little bits that make up your life, you have, you know, you need to eat and sleep and rest and all those things, but you also have hobbies, you might have a job, um, etc. So what I noticed when I studied occupational therapy was that there was very little about sex and particularly relationships. And as an 18 year old, 19 year old, I found that quite strange. It was almost like the elephant in the room um, where we wouldn't really be talking about how to help patients or service users engage with that part of their life. And I really thought it was just something that was missing. Um, And... I also didn't get sex education myself in school. I would have grown up with quite negative beliefs around sex. As a as a young woman, I always believed that sex was kind of something that's done to me, um, and it's something I would nearly have to provide to people, if that makes sense. Rather than something that I could really have a choice about and and um, feel empowered about about doing. So. There were many experiences then throughout going to college and growing up where I just found there was so much shame around sex and shame around um, difficulties, especially with sex or difficulties even in relationships and intimacy. So... When I did the master's, I ended up kind of specializing in sexual health. And that's kind of where I got to being a sex educator. Um, And I love it. I wouldn't go back for the world. And to answer the other part of your question, um, why is it important? Uh, That was the question, wasn't it? Why is it important to have, you know, sex relationships education? Really hard to sum up. But when you think about it, we learn so much about our physical health our bodies how to look after them um now we learn a bit more about our mental health as well which is great I mean sexual health is so so closely linked to that it is such it is such a deep and important part of being a human being sex is the reason why most of us are here bar you know there's obviously people who are born in different um different methods like ivf etc but The majority of us are here because sex happened between two people. So it seems bizarre that we shouldn't talk about it. Um, And I also believe that sex, while it is absolutely natural, it doesn't always come naturally. It's actually quite it's something that we learn as social beings how to do. You know, we learn it from TV, from books, maybe from porn or from our peers or different ways and a lot of that learning can be very harmful so I think to talk about it openly empowers people to have the knowledge and skills they need to advocate for like a healthy and safe and fulfilling sex life which everyone deserves if that's what they want definitely later in the podcast like we're
0: all young people I think we're definitely gonna be like going into kind of how little like sex education there has been in in each of our cases in school um but I didn't know what occupational therapy was that was really really interesting and actually on our last podcast it was really or the podcast for that um was about like mental health and we were talking about actually how big um relationships and sex education like is related to mental health um, which kind of ties in with occupational therapy which I thought was really interesting. Um, so we have some more questions um, that we'd love you to answer especially as a professional. Um, so yeah before we get into anything else um, what is consent and why does it matter especially in relation to sexual violence and gender equality?
1: Yeah, so consent in itself, if you look up the word um in a dictionary or whatnot, it essentially means permission. And permission is a funny word because permission is, of course, so important. You know, we're taught from a very young age to ask permission to do certain things. Even, you know, we learn in school. Um, how to say' care gum and let like can i go to the bathroom it's, it's it's we learn as a child we need to ask for permission um but permission when you think about it it sounds a bit what's the word um, maybe passive when it comes to sex of course we need to give our permission for someone to touch us or for someone to kiss us or for someone to do anything at all really but it it should be more than just permission. You know, permission kind of sounds like permission could be, yes, I'd love you to. Or permission could be like, I don't really want to, but you can if you want. So really consent in itself. um, As a sex educator, I kind of try and discuss consent in a way that is more leaning towards the fact that it should be that bit more enthusiastic. It should be free from any coercion You know, saying yes under pressure isn't a real yes. It's a coerced yes. And that experience is something that has happened to so many people where, um, you know, and I'll get onto sexual violence just in a second, but like even cases of people thinking, oh, well, I, I went along with it, I didn't say no. And so, yeah, maybe it was my fault that happened and it was consensual. But really, again, if a yes isn't really, really informed and, and enthusiastic and genuine, it's not really a yes. And, it, and it's not your fault that that has happened. And of course, with sexual violence, we have this horrible, um, would I suppose, horrible thing that, is, that has grown in society and and has been around for a long, long time where people feel they're entitled to the bodies of others. And we are never entitled ever to access to someone's body. No one is entitled to access to our body. Um, but unfortunately, and for many different reasons, and it's a really, really complex issue, but, but to kind of succinctly put it, it, it can come down to many things like people feeling entitled, um, people trying to exert power over other people um sometimes it's genuinely a lack of education where people just don't know how to communicate consent so um it's hugely important that we talk about consent not just with teenagers we need to talk about consent with people from literally when they're little not not quite babies but as they start to even talk a little and even gesture to things, we can teach them in little ways. And it's so, so, so important. And and it's an important thing to mention is it's not just consent is not just around sex. Consent applies to so many aspects of our life. You know, if one of my friends decides they're they don't want to drink anymore. I have to respect that. And me saying, oh no, come on, you'll come out, you'll have one, you know, come out with us, you'll have a good time. That's actually coercive and that's putting pressure on that person. So consent is something in the media, it it seems to only get discussed almost in legal terms and especially mm-hmm. around sex, but it's something that's ingrained to so many of our social interactions, if that makes sense. Yeah
0: no that was such a good answer um and so much of the time it is just like consent is saying yes or no and it's it's so much more than that and also how big of a part communication is um and that really is something that you know everyone can learn you know um from all ages um so also um what are women and girls
1: reproductive rights in Ireland okay so when we think of reproductive rights again it's it's it it, can't, it it there's a lot to it and it's quite complex but what i would say is that reproductive rights they've come a long way you know um nowadays you know in 2021 we now have access to um abortion we have access to contraception um which is obviously incredible and some some women and girls and people in other countries appallingly still don't have that so that that, that's brilliant and that's great progress but there is still you know when you think of rights you might have the right to something but if if it's not being fulfilled then what kind of use is it if that makes sense and I'm thinking say you know even of um abortion so we have that now we've access to it and we should have had it a long time ago but we're there now but you know there's still difficulty in accessing abortion services Um, there's a mandatory waiting period things like that when we think of um ways that we can have a baby that that maybe don't involve sex directly like IVF and um, uh, artificial insemination even adoption like they can be really financially inaccessible for people, especially as I'm getting older. I know more people that are incurring these huge costs, um, which don't seem to be helped a lot by the government. So that can be really difficult for people as well. Um, and even when you think of, and, and this might be useful for some of your listeners. So a pregnancy, a lot of, a lot of people don't realize this. A pregnancy is counted from... When you had your last period. So, say if my period is two weeks late and I'm pregnant, I'm actually would be, say, marked down as about six weeks pregnant, which is people don't realize that. And then, of course, there's a cutoff point for abortion there's the nine week and there's the 12 week. And it's kind of frustrating because it's brilliant to have these services, but the education needs to be in place. To kind of actually equip people with the knowledge they need to access the services and know when they need to access them and access them quickly. Um, So, yeah, I mean, reproductive rights, I like on a global scale, we have quite good reproductive rights. It's just there is definitely still work to be done. And I'm sure maybe you've you've heard that throughout the pandemic like women or pregnant people and women were hugely failed when it comes to restrictions like having to hear that maybe their baby had died having to go through the majority of labor alone um while people could go out for pints and in a bar you know it it was really actually inhumane it was absolutely shocking and The fact that it didn't garner as much attention as it should have is a bit of a reflection on the work we need to do around reproductive rights, you know?
0: Yeah, and on like, not just the rights, but the actual accessibility um, for for all people. Um, And yeah, in my family, we actually did have like a pregnancy during the pandemic, Um, like my external family and like yeah like all that about labor and um you know partners like being allowed in in the waiting rooms and different things like that like it 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 was a really good point to bring up in mm. in this conversation um so the next question is what is an SDI some myths around them how to prevent them um and where to find help
1: Okay, so an STI stands for sexually transmitted infection. You might hear the term STD as well, which is sexually transmitted disease. But we use STI in Ireland. Um, Typically, a disease has symptoms and you will know if you have a disease or you will have indications, whereas with an infection, sometimes it doesn't have symptoms. So STI and as well, the, the word disease can be quite, there can be a bit of stig- more stigma attached than infection. We get infections all the time, you know, as humans. Um, so, yeah, so basically kind of is what it says in the tin. It's an infection you catch mainly through sexual activity. So they can be passed on mainly through body fluids. So that would be through semen, through vaginal fluid, um, sometimes through blood and that would be from, again, unprotected sex, so not using a condom or a dental dam. Uh, but some STIs can be passed on from just skin to skin contact. There doesn't need to be bodily fluids. There doesn't need to be um, penetration. Like, for example, the the skin to skin would be um, uh, pubic lice and uh, genital warts as well. Um, So STIs, they can be, they can be bacterial and the bacterial ones, the vast majority of the time can be completely cured with antibiotics, but they mightn't have symptoms. Actually, an awful lot of them, uh, an awful lot of the time, sorry, they can pre- they can be present, but with no symptoms. But in the long term, they can affect your health, health and actually affect your ability to have children as well. Um, STIs can be viral. So like HIV would be an example of a viral STI. And again, it's a virus like it sounds now the viruses are not curable but very very treatable and then they can be parasites which sound awful and like disgusting the word parasite but um they're actually pretty harmless and completely completely curable so with stis um preventing them is you know a knowing a bit about them how they're passed on um, Again, that comes down to education and information Um, protecting yourself. So using condoms, using lubricant as well actually helps because it prevents um, you can get kind of tiny little micro tears, um, which sounds scarier than they are. It, it can happen during sex. And it's kind of in the say, inside the vagina, there could be a tiny, tiny little tear and infection can pass in through the body easier. So using lubricant helps prevent that. And um the main thing as well is getting tested regularly. It's so important if you're sexually active. We would say, like I would say, if you're sexually active and if you've more than one partner, I would get tested like once every few months. Um, but if you have symptoms, get tested straight away. I hope that answered. Have I missed anything yeah. there? No, no, that's
0: that's <laughs> really really good answer. Um and I think like just incredible like the fact that in schools all you're told is like wear a condom and there's so much more than that and just the knowledge of how they can even be um transmitted is just how do you not include that is Mm -hmm. Um, Mm mind-boggling and so important and kind of along the same lines but there has always been like myths and stigmas around specifically HIV and AIDS um and particularly um about gay men in history um but that continue to this day and can you do Debunk, I suppose, um, what HIV is, um, how it is not the same as AIDS, the importance of being tested, treatments available, and like why discrimination should not be tolerated around HIV.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So HIV, um, stands for H- Human Immunodeficiency Virus, um. So basically, what HIV does is, if the virus gets into your system, it attacks your immune system and your white blood cells and as we know the immune system is responsible for fighting off uh, infections etc and keeping the body safe so um, HIV if it's left untreated it can develop into AIDS and AIDS stands for acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. And what that is then is that is when your immune system is so, so low and you have so little um, defense mechanisms in your body that you could die from a common cold or you could die from, um, you know, even COVID or something like that, you know, you'd have no system to fight it off. so. HIV is extremely treatable. It's not curable yet. Well, there's no cure release. There's no vaccine or anything yet, but it's very, very treatable. Um, so say if I contracted HIV, which by the way is um it can be contracted through um unprotected sex again, and um, also sharing needles. Drug users sometimes share needles. Um So if I contracted HIV and what I would do is go on um, a treatment plan or medication and the medication nowadays, which has come so far as well, it actually suppresses the virus so much in my system that I can't pass it on to someone else. So I can have a partner, I can have unprotected sex with that partner, I can even have a baby and not pass it on. That's how great the medication or the treatment is. Um, and there is kind of a, a slogan for that. It's called undetectable equals untransmissible, meaning that if HIV is undetectable in your system, i.e. you're taking your medication, you're going to your checkups, then it's untransmissible. You can't pass it on. So that's amazing. And. Um, there are a lot of myths around HIV. Like it can't be passed on through like kissing or sharing cutlery or urine or sweat or what else, toilet seats. Like there's loads of myths around it. Um, and there's an awful lot of stigma, as you mentioned, and it is so, so, so harmful. The belief that it's a gay man's disease or only gay men get it is, is so harmful. Um, so and I think that comes from because a lot of gay men, again, not all gay men, um, engage in anal sex. Anal sex is that bit riskier for contracting HIV um, because they, basically the anal passage or the walls of the anus are more likely to get those, you know, those micro tears I talked about, which is why it's so important to use loads of lubricants. But um, yeah, so the belief that it was passed on through anal sex, I mean, it is, but it's not just gay people who have that. And it's not, it can be passed on through vaginal sex um, as well. So I think it's just really important to kind of keep, keep challenging that stigma I think people are becoming more aware but it is still shocking the attitudes you come across even in the world of or the age of information we live in you know if you go on to any reputable website you, you'll you find all these facts very readily available and actually I think HIV or AIDS more so because HIV won't kill you it, it would be HIV it would be AIDS I think AIDS is actually one of the biggest killers of women and girls in the world um, because of its prominence in underdeveloped um, or less developed countries who appallingly, again, don't have access to treatment. Uh, And just to mention really quickly, because it's important to prevent it again, your condoms, your education, lubricants, but also there is a drug called, um, there are two drugs called PrEP and PEP. They're the short version. Um, And PEP stands for post-exposure prophylaxis. And what that does, which is great, is say if I had sex with someone tonight and they said I'm HIV positive and I'm now at risk of contracting HIV, I can go straight to the emergency room and request PEP. It has to be within 72 hours, though, um, for it to be most effective. And that can actually stop me contracting HIV. Which is, ama- like, it's great. It, there's advancements all the time, but um, there's still a lot of stigma, as you said, around it.
0: Yeah, all that information was, like, so, so important. Um, And just, it's still so lacking, like, the, um, yeah, the information and education um, that people have around HIV and AIDS. Um, so next question, Um, what contraceptive methods can
1: young people use and access? Yes, yeah, so there's loads of different options. You have, so... The one that gets most commonly, I think, prescribed maybe when young people are just starting to use a contraceptive is probably the pill. Now, there's loads of different types of pill, but it works the same way in that it it stops you releasing an egg every month, stops you ovulating. And it does a few more things as well. But that's that's the main thing it does. So there's loads of different brands of that. Um, It's kind of like Cinderella and her shoe. It's about finding the one that fits you in your body best. So it can take a bit of trial and error. Um, The pill is the only method that goes through the digestive system. So what you need to be wary of there is that if you are sick say if I took the pill and then I was throwing up um or I was ill then it might not have absorbed into the body into the bloodstream so there's a bit of a risk of error for that um and then the other ones that are kind of I suppose that um you you would regularly take or, or use um would be you can get a patch And the patch is put on a hairless piece of skin and it does the same job in the body. It's just a different way of absorbing the hormones. So they go straight into the bloodstream. And then we have um, the implant, which is the little tiny kind of size of a matchstick that's inserted um, into the arm. Again, that releases hormones slowly over time. I think it's three years on average, you can have the implant in, um, you can have, oh yeah, the the vaginal ring, which is like a little, kind of like a little bendy ring um, that is inserted into the vagina. Same thing again, releases the hormones straight into the, in, where it's needed, into the bloodstream. Uh, there's also an injection you can get. It's a bit less popular now, but it still is an option. Uh, I think it's every three months you would have to go to the doctor and get your injection and um. The hormones are injected into the body and there is also longer acting contraceptives so um like an interuterine device so shaped like a little t and it goes into the uterus and depending on what, one, on what one you get you can get hormonal ones and non-hormonal ones and they can stay in for years so is there anyone i'm missing there um, sorry, now if I have missed one, I'm. I'm. It might come to me after, but I think they're they would be the main ones, and um, they are all as far. I think there might be some small charge on the IUD, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. But they're all free if you do have a medical card. Um, but I think over the next few years, I think we will see con- contraception becoming. Um, accessible to everyone medical card or not like it really should be free for everyone it should be completely accessible um, for everyone and the government should should pay for it so I'm hoping that's gonna fully happen here soon
0: yeah definitely and um, and we were, like, kind of talking about this a little bit, but relationships and sexual education is minimal to begin with. Um, but most students I've spoken to have said that it was very, like, heteronormative. Um, so can you explain just, like, briefly what, like, the words sexuality and gender um, mean and why they need to be part of, like, an inclusive RSE kind of, yeah, curriculum?
1: Absolutely. So usually I would... um. I would have three terms. So your your sex, your gender, and your sexuality and, and, a, and a attraction to other people. And there are three concepts that are different but all often mixed up. Mm. So just to start off, our sex are sometimes it's called biological sex, but assigned sex is is tends to be a more popular term. It's um literally, you know, when we're a baby and we're born, say, with a vulva, then our assigned sex tends to be female. And that goes on our birth cert. So our assigned sex, our biological sex is kind of physically where we fit in to male or female or it's a spectrum, really. So you can be intersex um, and that can happen in many different ways. And then our gender is more how we actually identify, um, how we identify ourselves, um, how we express ourselves as well. and, you know, you have your your male and female gender genders and for a long time, I suppose, in Ireland, and I know in other places as well, but I want to keep it specific because mm-hmm. it actually does differ in a lot of places in the world. Um, people would have believed you're either male or you're female and, and sex and gender we're seeing as the same thing. And that's not the case. Um, and young people nowadays have much more awareness of all the different gender identities um that people can be um, and then sexuality and attraction is a different concept again that's referring to kind of who we are attracted to basically romantically and or sexually so there can be so many assumptions made about people so um you know say Again, a baby is born with a penis and their assigned sex, biological sex, falls under male. And then what happens is you assume that they identify as male, that they're cisgender and that they're attracted to women and that they're heterosexual. And that's the default. And when you said heteronormative, that's exactly whats what it is. It's the assumption that kind of everyone, that, that that's almost the normal setting and anything else is alternative. Yeah, but that's not the case at all. Um gender is fluid, sexuality is hugely fluid. I mean, anyone who tries to pin down human sexuality is fighting a losing battle. Even in the animal kingdom, there's loads of um examples of of bisexuality, of homosexuality, so it's it's the most as natural as 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 being heterosexual. So it's hugely important to have education that is inclusive. I mean it's it breeds shame and isolation when your who you are is not being validated and it's being left out of these really important conversations. Um, so, yeah, it's so, so important. Yeah,
0: and I really like that, like, you divided up the terms because I think sometimes people are talking and they don't actually have the right language. And actually, like, that is such a big part of just kind of your opinions and, you know, yeah, using the right language. Um, Yeah, and just also, like, that there isn't a normal, we've just been taught that there is, um, is a really good point. Um, exactly. Yeah. So do you think the portrayal of like sex in the media impacts young people? Um, And does it contradict what you would sometimes say as a sex educator? Um, And the next question, which is kind of interlinked as well, is like, what are some of the biggest misconceptions young people have
1: about sex? Okay, yeah. So the first part, um, portrayals of sex in the media are... (laughs) woeful (laughs) at times at times they're so bad um I think there's more positive examples coming forward now in that's just in my opinion um so interestingly I have met only recently um people who work as intimacy coordinators and I don't know if you ever heard of that but they their job is quite new Kind of emerging, but it's so important. So, they're the people that um, would be on set during the filming of um, of films and shows and whatnot, and basically be well. Firstly, ensuring that the actors and actresses and whoever are okay with what's going on and that their boundaries are being respected, but also the way sex is depicted on screen, trying to make it more authentic, um, more real, and a less kind of more representative that's the word you know so people at home can look at that and be like oh yeah I I can relate to that because the problem is usually when you don't have those kind of wonderful people working sex and the way it's portrayed I mean there's so many there's so many mistakes that can happen one it can be heteronormative again Um, so a lot of just man and woman and that's what you see And even in that itself, there's loads of issues because you have uh, penetrative sex happening and then the woman is having an orgasm after one minute. And it's that is literally physically not how it happens for the vast majority of people. So even that is harmful because you're not, not that, you know, shows, not that they all have to be educational, you know, they are entertainment at the end of the day, but it if we had more at least to choose from. So we had our Hollywood glossy stuff that we know isn't really real life. But then if we had lots of shows as well that are more earthy and more like raw and real, um, it's just such a good it could be such a positive catalyst for actually talking about sex, like even in normal people, um, you know, that had uh, Ito O'Brien as, as the intimacy coordinator. And I think she worked on sex education as well. And she's worked on really big shows which have been praised for how sex has been portrayed. So, you know, no wonder young people have so many, misconceptions about sex and just to say this it's not just young people i know yeah. your listeners are young people but like i promise you it really isn't this is this happens i i come across this in all ages i mean the misconceptions would be again number 1 how the body actually works so again this expectation of having amazing amazing orgasms and pleasure from just penetration and quick penetration you know, not a lot of foreplay going on, um, not seeing the many, many, many different ways people can have sex. When you think of sex, I always say we we bring so much baggage to the bedroom and that's okay. Everyone brings baggage to the bedroom. And I don't mean baggage in a negative way. I mean, things, things we like, things we don't, um, past traumas, we might have a disability, an injury. There's so many parts that make us a sexual being and really what we see on screen is only a snippet of that and it's an idealized version and i think as well there's very gendered roles coming across in sex on screen like very heteronormative um but even like say with with, with gay people having sex on screen like gay men are usually shown to be really promiscuous, you know, yes. and really yeah. experimental and wild. And then st- heterosexual men are shown to be kind of um, pursuing women, Do you know, they're kind of the dominant ones. And then uh, women are the ones being pursued and kind of passive and being chased. So there's lots of messaging that like is just can be really harmful when you're a young person trying to figure out like, well, oh, I don't really fit into that I don't like that um so representation is so 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 important
0: yeah and like especially when a lot of the time these shows unfortunately are people's relationships and sex education because they're it's like not part of schools really um which makes it an even bigger problem and like recently I wrote an article on I was like interviewing people and it was about um, how people with disabilities weren't included in relationships and sex education and like it was really something I genuinely hadn't thought about much before um, being able-bodied but like it's really non-existent in TV shows not even just in the school curriculum um, and like some of the people I were talk- was talking to like thought when they were younger that they could not have sex mm. or be in a relationship and I just thought that was shocking and something that you know you mentioned there but does need to be talked about um so yeah overall we've kind of focused a little bit on kind of prevention and some would say like the negative sides of this topic so before we kind of round up can you talk a bit about like the positives of sexual health and relationships pleasure self-pleasure um, and sexuality yeah
1: absolutely and like that's one um pet peeve of mine is that like sometimes sex education is delivered in like you know a way where it is about avoiding risks and it's unfortunate because I think that's what stops us as well from really being sex positive and being comfortable as a nation talking about sex um it's like taking a cooking class and like just learning how to not get food poisoning you know it's 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 it 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 does such a disservice to young people um so I think yeah I mean sex education and like when we talk about sex it should be pleasure focused. It's the number one reason. There was literally a study, a huge study done. Um, and young people always laugh at this when I say it in class, but um, they were like, they asked, why, why, do, why do you have sex? That was the study. And there was, there was loads of answers. I can't remember exactly, but there was definitely over a hundred different answers. And, you know, people are like, how is there that many? But the number one was for pleasure you know, it's not to make babies. It's not for this. I mean, it's great for that if if that's what you're doing, but it's for pleasure, um, connect, to connect with our partners, to build intimacy, um, to release energy, to connect with a part of ourselves that again is really, really important and, um, very integral to who we are. And when people have, you know, when people are having an issue with their sex lives sexually, it affects their whole life. It's not something you can just compartmentalize. So like sex is wonderful. Um, Being sex positive is amazing. And being sex positive isn't about having loads of sex. Um, You can never have sex and be sex positive. Um, It's about being open-minded and accepting of others and respectful of others and respectful of yourself and your own wishes. Um, And I mean, when you think of even masturbation Another taboo topic is again so 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 natural. Um, like babies in the womb have been recorded putting their hands on their genitals as a self soothing, um, kind of thing. Animals, again, in the animal kingdom have been shown to do it. It's such a normal thing, but it's so taboo. And like, like the list of health benefits that comes with masturbation, with um, having orgasms with, um, engaging in, um, intimacy with a partner or with ourselves is so much like improve mood, improve sleep. Like, again, it's, it's not something that we need to just put in a box and have that as one section of our life. It really is something that, um, people get so much joy from and so much connection and it would be lovely if we could start talking about it in that way rather than, you know, the minute, the minute a child asks about sex, you're straight into, well, when, you know, a woman loves a man, daddy loves mommy and, and he puts a seed in her. And then it's suddenly again about reproduction. So it's straight away. It's about serving a purpose. It, I'd love if we could move away to that actually sex exists independent of all that you know it's just it's a shared human experience and it's it's beautiful like it really is it's it's a lovely part of life if it's something you do want to engage in
0: yeah and I think you know in schools as well like I remember I'm like kind of in first year the teacher like the only really relationship sex education we had is like she like listed off kind of contraceptives and she went to a a bit about like um the menstrual cycle but like compared to that in SPHE one day we were talking about body image and I had a different teacher for SPHE this like in third year and she just kind of like we were just in the grass in like a little circle having a discussion about body image and it was completely like it was a separate topic and about kind of eating sword and how you see yourself and stuff but like I think that that's the way it should be discussed because there are so many misconceptions and like people already have an idea of what they think it is and it's less that way it would be less focused on just the negatives um I just think that would be a nice way to do it um so yeah that was a really like nice kind of question to end on um and I know we could have spoken all day and I've learned so much um so where can people like listening find you if they have any more questions or just form more information
1: yeah um no problem. My they can find me at uh very simply gracealce.com. Uh if they want to email me, it's info at gracealice, um, .com as well. And I'm on Instagram as LaGrace. So ganes is the Irish word for sex. Um so again, if you just go to gracealis.com, it's nearly easier because you can kind of everything is linked through there and I update it literally every week with whatever I'm doing. Um and yeah, I mean, if anyone needs to reach out looking for a particular service or needs to be pointed in the right direction, like, please don't hesitate. And um, I agree. It's it's I, I mean, I obviously I I'm in this job for a reason. I love chatting about all this and you know, some of the, the questions you asked were brilliant. And I would love to have given so much more on <laughs> yeah. each, but, you know, we can't do that in, in time constraints. But I'm just so glad what you're doing as young people that you're talking about it. And, you know, you're breaking a cycle of shame that has mm-hmm. been there for decades and decades and decades. So you should be really proud of yourselves for that. It's, it's going to make such a difference. It really is
0: thank you so much for coming on um and I would say to like anyone um you've been like so amazing to talk to and so easy to talk to and welcome back um so I think think there was so much covered um in that conversation and to get started I was wondering how is like RSC covered in your school
2: Um, well, me and Carl go to the same school, and it's just me and Carol here today because everyone else is missing. <laughs> so we might have to divvy up this question a little bit. Um, from my experience, not well, because particularly, like, we're meant to have split options in, like, fifth and sixth year, we rotate PE, but somehow I manage having PE the whole of fifth year, and then we're doing a single social studies class or wellbeing. so... All my sex education came from third year primary school and science class, like biology class. Um, my primary school was pretty good. Like we started learning the scientific stuff like from senior infants and like it was an all-girls school. So it felt a lot more like natural, I guess, to talk about those kind of things, maybe. Um, but it was very much focused on like, I guess, like as you said, it was focused not as on pleasure, but on as in, like how to get a baby or how to make a baby. Oh, my dog's barking. Oh my God, my dogs are barking so loud if you can hear that. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but in secondary school, <laughs> in secondary school, um, it was crap. It actually was crap. Not going to lie. I don't remember anything from secondary school. I don't remember even having a class on it. It was not, that was, that was, it was science class. That's why I remember the most as biology class. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And like, to be honest, it's similar enough to Eve, my experience, but probably even less, to be honest, because like, I remember that we did it twice in primary school in fifth and sixth class and we got given the, you know, the busybodies handbook. (laughs) And that was it. And like, that was about as much as we've gotten, because it was like we sat there for an hour. There was a video put up on the screen and it was like, this is what a man looks like. This is a woman. And they're going to fall in love one day. And then it was a book and had the exact same thing. And that was it. And that was like the fifth and sixth class. And then we went into secondary school. And I'm pretty sure we actually did the busy bodies again in first year. <laughs> the same booklet and the same presentation. And we we're meant to get a sex education in fifth year. And then COVID cut that short. So like, as Eve said, I don't even do biology. But all I've <laughs> all I've really gotten is the third year biology from first to third year. Learning about the reproductive system. And. That's yeah. about where it ends and even what little kind of education I did receive since primary school to now. It was like, as you were talking about with um, Grace, it was completely like heteronormative and mm-hmm. it was totally focused on reproduction rather than anything else. So, yeah.
2: Actually, before I was sorry, I just want to jump in again. In fourth year, we did an English class that was taken over for one week. Um, and it was like a trial course <sighs> on consent. Mm. And the actual course itself wasn't the problem necessarily. Uh, there was a few issues with it, but the actual problem was yeah, choosing in the class that I felt like the entire class, the back of the class, you could hear the whispers, the giggles about something like a serious topic such as sexual violence and rape. Like, that's an incredibly serious topic that deserves to be treated with respect and like, Sitting in that fourth year, sixteen-year-old, seventeen-year-olds class, hearing that kind of crap from the back of the class, it was—it was honestly the most like I felt awful after every single class of that I really did because I was so discouraged, like hearing the jokes about like such a real, like, serious topic. The course was okay, but it was actual the attitudes in the class, and that comes from a lack of education, hundred percent, because that was our first time talking about it, like, basically, ever.
0: Yeah, and like I know I. Was I was in girls Primary School as well, but it was more like Carol. Like it was, it was might have been a video. <laughs> I would say that would be about it. Um, I think we we're supposed to get it in fifth class. We didn't. Uh, like they just didn't do that. Um, and then in first year, yeah, like the teacher like read off a list of like contraceptives and did a bit about periods in the same class, and that was it. Um, and then in third year yeah in third year we just did the reproductive system like in science class um which again is like was good in terms of the science but like isn't the place for relationships and sex ed either um exclusively obviously um but yeah I remember because we had three different science classes and everyone from that I knew from the three different science classes was saying like so many people were putting their hands up and asking the science teacher questions and like they were RC questions that like she wasn't nece- she answered well um but like they weren't necessarily like equipped to answer and that wasn't like their role in that particular situation um but yeah i'm in TY now i started today and we actually have on our timetable like for every week uh, um or see like on our like a slot on our timetable, so I'll let you know what Please. is involved Please. in that. Um, if it's good, hopefully it is. You know, high hopes. Um, but yeah. Um, was there anything else that like you learned particularly from the conversation? I know there was a lot. Possibly,
3: like going back a minute when Eve was talking about the. the the kind of what we did do in was a third year or fourth year in the English class mm-hmm. and we are talking about sexual violence and consent and Grace did mention that consent is like it's a lot more than giving someone permission it's about mm-hmm. like yeah. it consents in every part of your life and every social social interaction but there's a difference between you know giving someone permission to like you know let's say borrow a pen as she described it it was passive permission is passive and mm-hmm. there's a lot like you can say oh you can use my phone I give you permission to do that but then consent you shouldn't be coerced into doing something you shouldn't be forced into something or if you're even second guessing it you shouldn't be you shouldn't be like you shouldn't feel that you have to do something and like saying yes doesn't mean it's yes if you're not putting your full like full self into it and if you're not certain that that's what you want to like want to undertake and like as Eve was talking about when we did that kind of um week of learning about sexual violence and consent and there's people like you know giggling at the back of the class at the whole concept of it is what was kind of like baffling really and even though we've like we've already received so little kind of sexual education and RSE education and like we honestly going into that kind of week of learning half the stuff kind of I don't know how to explain like I don't know what I'm trying to say but as in if you don't learn about like relationships and sexual education and then you're going into straight into sexual violence and you know consent Mm. it's hard to kind of put things together I don't know like if you get what I'm trying to say but yeah yeah.
2: I think the link to relationships was what was missing with that course really because like that was the first time we ever talked about relationships but it wasn't really it was quite factual in the sense it was almost like a law the way she was teaching the course was quite like what is and what isn't consent, what is and what isn't rape, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I think what we were missing a lot of was that connection to relationships and that importance. And Grace even talked about like how that can get so like skewed in your own head, like when you're giving consent, like afterwards, oh, it's my fault because I didn't say no, or like feeling that you have to because you're in a relationship with someone or you're feeling that someone's entitled to you or you're entitled to them. Like that's where the relationship aspect of the teaching comes in, rather than just
0: like what is and what isn't, and like the facts, I guess. And I think even like the way that like Grace spoke about like the entire topic and especially consent, like I just wish everyone that was the RSC that everyone got because she was like, she made everything like still focusing on like this is still a positive part of your life in whatever way for everyone but these are also really important and just kind of being really like normalized about it and if that had been like a consistent thing and the education had been there and had been less of a giggly thing to talk about um like I just I just like wish that was a situation for every young person you
2: know? And like, I don't think giggles and like there are things that make, make you blush or whatever mm-hmm. is the problem. It's the problem wasn't like even the laughing. It was the jokes, the actual yeah. jokes, like um, afterwards, like saying, oh, I don't consent you to like walk next to me, blah, blah, blah. Like shut up. We just like came from a class that was really horrific and you're really joking about it. Like that was what problem me. Cause like if we, if we teach or if we learn stuff about sex in such like a strict formal manner, it can make complex So as you said, like it's so good to have conversations, like natural conversation, you're talking about your classroom down into the grass and sat down, like that's yeah. what's needed. Like is like this feeling of a community almost and like that connection rather than like teaching it in such a way that you feel like you're sitting there having to like listen to something that you're really uncomfortable about or like you're hearing things that it's uncomfortable. Like that's not, the girls aren't even the problem. It's actually just like the atmosphere in the room and like how it's taught in that way.
3: Mm-hmm. And i oh, sorry amigo. No work, away. I was, like I was just also thinking about Grace saying like especially like learning it from a young age is like important like mm-hmm. obviously. As she like she said herself that you can't be like telling it to like a one year old cuz it's not going to understand. But like understanding the concept of consent from a young age and also like understanding that if like when a child is going to ask you like what is it and that kind of stuff it shouldn't be just like when one person loves another and they want to have a child kind of thing and it's like isn't your brain you take in the most information between isn't it like six and eight or six and nine or something like that and we missed out on that a lot we went fifth and sixth class where we watched a video about your body changing and Mm. a man and woman will love each other and it's the same at first and second year and by the time we reached third and fourth year and we went straight into like sexual violence and stuff like that we skipped the whole relationships part as Eve had mentioned and another part that should be included in the relationships of like education is recognising when there's something wrong in a relationship or an abusive relationship isn't for that yes
0: yeah
3: Yeah. like the toxic
2: (laughs) behavior traits the symptoms the red flags etc like that should be taught because it's so important and so many people fall into it like how high is the rate of like abuse in this country like it's insane and like that isn't because of someone's like the other person's fault it's because they aren't taught to recognize these like these signs of like red flags and etc i know the red term red flag is quite overused social media but it is a hundred percent should be taught like these manipulative techniques that people use to like sort of trap you in like this Mm. mindset it's awful and
0: even like what car was saying about like if you only teach about like sex and then move straight into sexual violence and you skip everything in between you skip the positive you skip relationships you you just like the actual connection like what you were saying about like you know boundaries and all these different things that just aren't taught it's like just even a basic even if you like the basic level of respect isn't even part of the conversation do you know what I mean um yeah I think like even just and then does focus on negatives I think people are like less engaged when that becomes a situation
3: Mm -hmm. and it like As she was saying, intimacy can be a big part of a relationship and stuff like that. But there also needs to be a point, like, it needs to be recognised that when you're in a relationship, your partner isn't, like, they're not entitled to you either. And, like, you should never feel that someone is entitled to you or you're entitled to anyone. Or a relationship should also not be solely based off of intimacy. It should be Mm. a connection. So, like, I think that is, like, I just think the whole RSE, it just is so flawed. It focuses on the basic kind of what is sex and then yeah that's that's basically Mm. it
2: abstinence Mm. prevention that's all it is Mm.
0: yeah like even like grace saying that like she for so long thought that like it was just a bad thing like i i know she's a sex educator i thought that was like kind of quite surprising um and like something like i read recently it was a headline so i looked into it because you can never like completely trust headlines (laughs) but um that like only 2018 this wasn't the headline but like only like 2018 a politician in the doll um was talking about how religious schools like were changing like actually tweaking the RSC that the like department had given them um to in line with their like religious school ethos Um, and I thought there was like like I'm from a Catholic school but that wasn't the problem like it was a it's a nationwide problem wasn't the particular problem in my school but like if you did like if it was strictly catholic and like kind of back in history in ireland if you believe that like sex before marriage and homosexuality were sins like where does that leave your school students you know um i just thought that was really interesting
2: I think there is like a lot of like religious stigma and also religious shame mm. surrounding sex like I think and, and masturbation I think she'd mention it as well but like there is this sort of like like I went to a Catholic school and like as I said, I had a good experience in my school. Like, there was never that kind of like attitude towards it. It was just like very much like factual thing. Like, but there was never that kind of shame imposed. But I do think it does exist, definitely in Ireland. I think people think Ireland's progressed a lot more, but it has, it has in some ways. Like, definitely in the last like 20 years, even. But there is still such this like attitude around sex. And it's not that like you have to reject like your religious principles. Like, I have friends who want to wait to marriage. And, like, that's a hundred percent their own choice. But like, they can impose that on others and like my friends don't, but like, you know what I mean? But like there are people who because like believe it to be a sin or try to make other people feel ashamed or guilty for not wanting to wait till marriage. And I think that's where the problem lies, not even in the rigid, religious beliefs, but how they're enforced and how they're imposed upon others who maybe don't have those same beliefs. Like, and that's where schools have the problem because if it is a religious school and they want to teach religious beliefs and enforce them. That can lead to a lot of shame and stigma within the students in that school,
3: and as and even like like my primary school would have been like a Catholic school, but it, it wouldn't have had a negative view on it either. It just wouldn't have been talked about. Is what like yeah. that's more realistic yeah. to it? So like, and our secondary school isn't a Catholic school, but once again, it's it's just not spoken about. And like, is you'd wonder if it's anything to do with a religion religious influence in the school that would mm, kind of. Definitely like yeah like there is a religious influence in our school undoubtedly even though it's not meant to be there but is that what's preventing us from getting a good like rsc education or is it the department is like department of education is blatantly just ignoring ignoring it i I like that there's been plenty of like um kind of advocating for it from young people the issu and like countless organizations have been advocating for better rsc but it's just being ignored
2: Mm-hmm. And teachers. I hate to shame teachers. I really do because my dad's yeah. a teacher. But like the teacher I had in the reason. Oh, sorry. I actually remember the reason I didn't learn about sex ed in second, third year in SPG class, even though I don't want to say it's actually never mind. Um, Sorry. But even though I didn't learn about it in third year because in SPG class, um, she told us we were too mature to be taught about it. And that because we were laughing in the class we weren't we like, taught about it and i thought that was the most stupid decision because if she thinks we're immature <laughs> to not be taught then who's to say we're mature enough to know when to have sex and when we're ready and when like how to prevent like getting an sti or etc like that was to me the worst argument I ever heard in my entire life that we were too immature to be taught about it we were 14 like that's a perfectly fine age to start talking about things like i don't understand that that argument at
3: all I, well um i <laughs> I'll just cut that out, <laughs> Um But, uh, like, as well as that, we, like, we weren't mature enough and that kind of thing. That's such, like, an invalid argument. But, mm. and like, as well as that, there's also, like, an unnecessary pressure and things like that. And it's, like, peer pressuring people into engage in that, like, like in sexual activity as well. And that's not talked about in RSC. And I keep going back to RSC. I'm sorry, yeah. now, but, like, that's practically what we're talking about. But yeah. it's, like it's an unhealthy view as well that it should be done because you know everyone else around you is doing it, and that's just not you know that's not mm. how that works it's not how relationships work and that kind of thing yeah. so I and think that's another I think
2: like and I think a lot of sorry, sorry. sorry um I
0: good. think like my, my mind went blank but I totally agree what you were saying Eve about like um like a lot of people thinking that young people aren't mature enough or like that it's too early to be told like to be talking about things I think that's like I just I think Grace is like talking about this a little bit what she was saying like to be honest like children you, you teach children all the time how to like interact with friends and how to like you know be social and how to kind of just be a kind and respectful person um and listen to other people and I think like as people get like older, you like maybe talk more about relationships and stuff. And like it's it's a slow progress into talking about things like sex and relationships and consent and stuff like that. But like it's building up and it should always be there. Um and more so in practices and how people look at, you know, how you interact and stuff like that. Um and I thought that was really interesting, like that. It's not just one class and you give out information, it's it's so much more than that
3: like it's never too young to kind of educate people on how to respect yeah. each other's bodies and sexualities yeah, exactly. etc you know
2: like we're taught not to hate each other like mm. in like school like do you know what I mean <laughs> you can be taught like I think it is becoming a thing now like I've seen like I worked at a crash and I worked in a primary school like for my experience things like that and over summer um and like the way they're taught to like respect your body is like oh that's you can't grab her she didn't want you to grab her she said, stop grabbing me so that means you can't grab her it's very simple things like it doesn't have to be oh you can't like you don't have to use it like the scientific language with young children but you can 100% teach the concept of consent like so easily don't grab that without asking someone don't touch me if I don't if I say no etc like it shouldn't be this like Big drama that when you get to fifth class, you get to like be in the in circle. Like that's not how it works. Especially
0: because I think people understand consent very much so as yes, no. But like in the situation, mm. that's not necessarily it. It's it's everything from like power dynamics to, you know, yeah. every individual yes. situation. Um and I think like again, even if it's just giving someone a hug when you're small and they react in a way that maybe the other person didn't expect or something, and just being like, Oh, you know she doesn't want that right now um and you you just you know that kind of thing like just how you can teach consent always like there should be consent for everything um it's just how it looks maybe different and I think that sometimes like people don't understand that um and to be honest that's not really brought into like how it's taught either
2: like a lot of little kids would be told, Oh, hug your relatives, goodbye, or kiss yeah. them, say thank you. And it's almost like, I don't want to. And if a kid says, I don't want to, it's almost seen as like, Oh, don't say that give him a hug give him a hug give him a kiss that's not a good mindset to be teaching someone that if they don't if they're like a little kid if they don't want to hug someone or kiss someone on the cheek then like let them be say oh sorry he's just not like doesn't want that today that should be a perfectly normal thing to say and i think that like whole concept of like having to like almost be guilt tripped into doing something you don't want to do like that's where like the kind of like damaged like toxic sort of mindset starts even from a young age so I think also sorry, I'm gonna segue into a completely different topic here. But she was talking about reproductive rights in Ireland and like the the accessibility of them. And I thought that was so interesting because like obviously like the abortion referendum like came out like a few years ago, and like obviously it was yes vote. We all know that. But like she said yeah. like they're quite inaccessible and the education around them say that like waiting a certain amount of weeks to get them is so hard. But I also thought it was interesting what she brought up the, how the restrictions impacted women. And I was working during the summer and like the radio was on every day. And like, this was a reoccurring topic nearly every single day, hearing stories and the most horrible, like disheartening stories after the restrictions were eased in hospitals, from hospitals who didn't want to ease the restrictions, from women and men, who had to go into hospitals and had to sit in the cars by themselves and get the worst news, or have to go into labor by themselves, and it was just the most like dehumanizing like experiences listening to those people because they weren't treated as humans or parents at all. Like it was like you're losing a child, or you're you know you're giving birth alone, and to I felt like that was and I don't know I, I'm kind of off topic here, but like. The fact that uh, that was even a point of contention about these restrictions, that is disgusting. Like that today in this society, like that people weren't allowed to be with the woman as yeah. she was having the worst news or giving I birth, th- like Sorry. I think so as so well, like
0: So much of the time, like it's like a pregnancy or a birth or, you know, whatever it is, especially when the other partner wants to be there, like it shouldn't be just mm-hmm. about the person in labor. Like, obviously, their medical care is extremely important, but it's also an extremely emotional time. Like, yes. do you know, for for a couple um, or whatever the situation is, you know, I just think, like, it was, as you said, like, dehumanizing um, in that situation. And also, like, there's a lot more awareness n- now about, like, you know, depression after labor and everything. And I think, um, yeah. and mother's mental health, and not to have, like, whoever you know especially if you want again your partner to be with you I think or even if it's just like a family member or someone you trust not to have them exactly. there and, and to be able to kind of like take turns and stuff with the baby and have their support and like just face I thought that was you know really it was just especially when restrictions started to ease up and that didn't it was yeah. shocking. it's yeah. disappointing
2: and it was, it was, it was annoying, about it was, it was the private hospitals doing it. Like the government had said, like, all hospitals should be like going with these plans and they weren't. And that was disgusting because like they should have been like, and obviously the argument there is obviously COVID. We all understand that. No one was debating that fact. Uh, but, and then afterwards there was, I think it was the Rotunda, I don't know, was I don't want to say a hospital's name, but a hospital did release. Uh, statement like saying how many people were vaccinated, how many women were vaccinated, and, like that is the reason they can't go in. And it was almost putting blame on the pregnant woman who maybe didn't want to get vaccinated because they felt unsure or scared or the advice was changing so quickly about getting vaccinated and they're blaming that. Like, they're blaming the woman for not having their husbands or their partners or whoever they want in the room with them when they're giving birth. Like, And that, I thought that was so disgraceful to blame the woman who were actually pregnant or whoever was pregnant at the time or anyone It was literally going through one of the most like tumultuous times of your life to put that blame on them and say it's your fault you're not in the hospital. That was disgusting. That was really disgusting.
0: and like even the and I think like just I actually learned a lot about how like um inaccessible abortion is um from like what she was saying but also like the fact that there is still like a lot of debate around abortion even though it's been voted in like the kind of shame around it is still huge and I think a big thing is that like you don't have to feel that you would ever get abortion yourself because that's something a lot of people say um who are against abortion and I think you can still let other people have the choice. I think that's really, really important. You know, um, yeah, I think it it doesn't, it, people always use it as kind of a way to, yeah, be against abortion. But I just think that's like an important kind of conversation that, and people should be allowed to s- share their stories and express how difficult it was for them, or maybe it wasn't difficult or whatever, without being like, oh, well then you shouldn't have had the abortion or this sort of thing like it should be about choice not about like each individual
2: yeah I think like for me personally that was like a major point of contention with the whole pro-choice movement was that it often turned to pro-abortion and that's where I like felt was people were really going wrong because that was turning other people away from maybe voting pro-choice you know what I mean like Personally, I am purchased, but I I just wouldn't get an abortion. It's just not what I would do. I'm lucky enough to be, like, if that ever happened to me, I would be financially supported. Like, I have that that sort of fallback, I guess. Like, But that would never mean that I could say to someone else, oh, you can't get it. You can't get it. I could never do that. Like, it's not my choice to dictate how someone else lives their life. But I think... There is, especially on social media, I, I seen that like a lot during the elections and like even in America, like they have always constant things in different states and there's almost like a pro-abortion sort of like mindset, like these stupid phrases. I don't want to say them, but like, oh my God, I don't want to say it, like yeetis fetus. I hate that. I think it's disgusting. Like that kind of language people use to like almost joke about like such a serious topic is disgraceful. And also even in Ireland, like there's still like protests going around, like abortion clinics outside. So like, or hospitals where there's like stuff is going on. and like to be any person walking into the hospital and like hearing those kind of things and those kind of shouts and calls at you even if you're not even going in for anything to do with an abortion it's not like a nice experience to have and like the fact that there's no laws about like protesting I said hospitals I think it's also another disappointment of our
0: government and, right like, now. Like it could be totally 100% like your choice and it was just like not like for you and you had no problem but like for a lot of people it's the like you said the support and not having the support and not having like where you are in your life and you know um just so many different reasons that it's all about choice it's as you said not about actually being pro-abortion or not it's about choice exactly and
2: there's a really actually good book I want to recommend. It's a fiction book, but it's set in Ireland uh, before like the abortion law came in. It's called Not Like Other Girls, and I would recommend it. It's the character is a bit annoying at first, but <laughs> the ending of the book is quite good. But it does it does focus on sort of like teen pregnancy in Ireland, particularly before like the sort of like laws came in. But it, it is it is quite good. It's called it's called uh, Not Like Other Girls. I'm not sure what the author's, author's name is, but I'm sure you can look it up. So. Just a little
0: recommendation there for a book. Ooh, fans. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. The will they will def- definitely have to read. But um, I'll, I'll... And there
2: are lots of positive, like you're talking the media, there's lots of positive examples of sex in the media as well. Like as the, we, you talk about negative ones and so the Grace, but like there are some positive ones, like she mentioned normal people and stuff mm. like that.
0: Yeah. And I think even like what you were saying about the book was interesting because um, like I like my nan different like nans and like you know like mom and stuff like that we talked about like you know different stories like around town and like that themselves of like just all the shame and stuff like that and especially because like the catholic church like this is not talking about catholic people but the catholic church the control they had on like the government and individuals Mm. like lives um are just shocking and i think yeah like hearing first-hand experience of that um I think it just makes the further case for how we need more inclusive, like relationships and sex education now. Um, yeah. Um, does anyone have any final messages or anything?
2: Um, just respect everyone, respect yourself, respect everyone else. I think it's kind of the main point of the the episode and like Grace was amazing and she really gave so much stuff. We didn't even, we didn't even need to talk. Like we could just cut our whole section. She was so good. So
3: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, that was kind of it.
3: Pretty much just to echo Eve, you know, consent's important. Seek consent and respect each other. And yeah.
0: <laughs> definitely. Um, And I would just say like Grace was like really amazing to talk to her and definitely reach out to her if you need to. Um, d- Okay. Gabby's not here.
2: Does anyone want to do the countdown? <laughs> oh my god. I'm messing it up. I don't even
3: know the words in Irish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who's gonna do it?
2: Carol, you take it away.
3: What will I do it? Do I count down from three or <laughs> or hand? Do I start at one or two? No, yes, I start at do know what three is. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. A hand, a dough, a tree. Come
0: on. hope you enjoyed our podcast also you can read the entire transcript of every episode in the link to our google drive which you can find on our instagram once again online youth information chat is live from 4 p.m to 8 p.m monday to friday at ymca-ireland.net slash question or find ymca at yi young voices you can find our Instagram account at Sustainable Steepover Club because we'd love to engage with you, our listeners. Every second Thursday, we will release a new episode. But for now, slon!